0: Okay so we're live and um, hey thanks for having me and for hosting the Sanders family and for uh, encouraging us to be a part of this and like I said I'm not going to go into a lot of details uh, but uh, I love Mitch (laughs) and to be reconnected with him. We have a, a number of similarities between he and I but there are some crazy differences as well. And I think we complement each other in, in, in some regards. So I love his teaching. I love his example. And I am just thrilled to be here and to, to uh, be allowed to, to preach or teach uh, and, and talk in his place. And so we, we have he has been a lifeline to me. The Lord has blessed me through him. And, and uh, uh, I just want to say that up front. Um, we talked about, okay, well, what should I do? you know what what should i I, I teach about what what uh, should I talk? How much should I talk about Denver? Hey, look, come talk to me afterwards or or get my email and let's correspond about what's going on in Denver and what we're doing here. Let's just get in the book I, I, there's some just some really cool stuff that we need to talk about in the scripture, and I want you to, I, we're going to get into Mark chapter three. By way of Titus chapter 1. So if you don't mind, just turn to, to Titus chapter 1. Uh, Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, right, that's what we've been going through as a class, uh, in chapter 3, teaches us about the character qualities of the, the man or woman of God. And before we get started here, right, has anyone ever heard this phrase, every member a minister? Raise your hand if you've heard that, okay? I've heard that now for, and I've been saying it now, for about 25 years, and I first heard it from Alan Shelby, and that has sunk deep into my heart that every member is a minister, right? And we could broaden it out, every member of the body of Christ is a minister, so uh, we're going to talk about ministry today, and we're going to go to Mark 3 eventually, but I want to contextualize the message here, the teaching this morning. And I want to go by way of Titus chapter 1 because Titus and Timothy kind of complement each other, don't they? We have some overlap between the two passages. And oftentimes when someone teaches 1 Timothy chapter 3, they'll often go to Titus chapter 1 to supplement and to cross-reference and to, to, to provide more insight and detail for Timothy and Timothy to Titus, right? But in Titus we're given a, a little bit more of why. Why is the character of a, a, an elder, a pastor important? And in Titus's case, Titus chapter one and verse 10, the Bible says, in Titus chapter one and verse 10, and by the way, I'm not going to give you a sheet. We're not going to have this on the board. You're going to have to get out a pencil and paper and go old school here, right? And you're going to have to take some notes. And I guarantee you, you're going to want to take some notes today because some of the cool things that we talk about today and we see in Scripture are going to be important for you if you are a member of this church and a minister, right? And I hope you are both. In Titus chapter one, the, the Bible says, "Why is the character why is it important to be blameless?" in verse six? The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of, of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God." Why is all that important? Well, we see why it's important. In Titus chapter one and verse 10, the Bible says, "For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers." Does that sound like today? wow does it ever sound like today the bible says goes on to say especially they of the circumcision did we learn at camp that this is a jewish book yeah. we did yeah. whose mouths must be stopped who subvert whole houses do you kind of get the feeling that whole houses today are being diverted and deceived i get that sense teaching things that they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Do you kind of feel like today that the things of God are being merchandised and marketed to you? I do. That there's a Christian industry that's thriving with our money. So why do we need men of character? To deal with stuff like that. Why do we need women of character? To deal with things like this. Right? And so, that's the connection with Timothy. I wanted to do something that was connecting with Timothy. This is it. And we could go to to Paul to provide us an example of a, a good example of this, of a man of character. We could talk about what Paul said to Timothy or Titus. But I want to talk to you about Jesus. Man, He is the most exemplary. Is that a word? Am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exemplary. <laughs> He's the best example yeah. Amen. Amen. of the man of godly character. Of the man who can who has these traits. Who... who who exemplifies the, the teaching that, that Paul is giving to Timothy and to Titus? And I want to just say, okay, well, we're, we're going to supplement what you've been learning in Timothy. We're going to get there by way of Titus, but we're going to go to Mark chapter 3. So turn in, with your, uh, in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 3, and we're just going to do a case study of this. We're going to say, all right, how did Jesus minister? All right, let me get there first. Let me see it goes. Matthew, Mark. I'm a little nervous. It's okay. I'll get over it here and we'll keep going. And it's a long chapter, but I have, what, 45 minutes? How long do I have? I never have this long. How, do I have 35 minutes? 35-ish from now. 35-ish from now. Enough time. Okay. okay. All right. Because the website I said I had until 1215. I'm, I'm kidding. If the Lord leaves you go to 1215. It's all right. thought not 1215. I've got all things. No, Hey, so I'd like to provide an example of the good character, this good character in action, the implementation of godly character, and to do a, a case study of Mark chapter three. I, what does it look like when the man of God, uh, the man of good character acts, right? In real life, in difficult circumstances, in hostile? Circumstances. I'd like to provide an example of a good minister in action. Let's be clear about what a good minister is. A good minister is a godly minister. Amen? Amen? Matthew chapter 19 and verse 17 says, There's none good but but God, right? So let's look to him to provide us in person this example. A good minister we know is is Christ-like. A good minister is effective for the cause of Christ. A good minister is one who matches good character with good biblical action. For this, we turn to Jesus. As believers, it is our aim, or it should be our aim, to follow Christ's example. He's the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. We're to know Christ. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bathe in Mark chapter 3 this morning so that we would know Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, talking about to know Christ. And we're, be, we're to be conformed to Christ, right? Conformed to His image. Conformed to who He is. And we see that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. So where are we going to turn? Well, we're obviously going to turn to, to Mark. Is it, are they, uh, yeah, this is, this is this is it. Yes, this is awesome. Thank you, <laughs> appreciate it. Math, Matthew teaches us about Jesus as the King of Israel, right? Yes. Luke shows us Jesus as the Son of Man, as as human, brings out some of his human characteristics, and the Gospel of John shows Jesus as the Son of God. His, his divine attributes are are. Uh, Upheld in in the the Gospel of John. But Mark, we see Mark showing Jesus as the faithful minister. Somebody turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 and read it out loud for us. Who's going to turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 and read it loud and clear for us this morning? And if you're on, if you're zooming in or watching the recording, turn to Mark chapter 10 and Uh verse 45. And somebody read that for us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Did you catch that? That's the key verse for the Gospel of Mark right there. And what does it mean to be a good minister? If you don't get anything that I say this morning, get this what it means to be a godly minister, a Christ-like minister, an effective minister, a good minister, based on Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, it means this, to give your life away to others in service to God. To give your life to others in service to God. So what does a good, godly, biblical, effective minister look like? Well, we're going to consider the ministry of Jesus in Mark chapter 3, and that's where we find ourselves right now. And I'm there, so. And you're there here. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3 and verse 1, and he entered again into the synagogue. This is Jesus entering into the synagogue. (laughs) And you'd have to go back and and look at Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 1 to see where we are contextually. But Jesus has been healing people. He's been preaching. He's been teaching. He's been stirring it up with the religious people of His day. The scribes, the Pharisees, uh, folks that don't like what He's doing. He's beginning to threaten the power structures, the religious power structures that are in place, and mobs and masses of people are flocking to Him. And I want you to consider for a second, if someone was in our midst healing people, consider what that might look like when word got out. Think about how what would happen to MBT, if Mitch started healing people, really healing people, <laughs> in the sense that it was, uh, you know, s- clearly super, the whole world would come here, wouldn't they? Yeah. Run. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I, I mean, part of the reason that we know some of this stuff that's going on is fake is, well, the whole world's not really running to, to that person, are they? And so we see Jesus entering. And look at that word in verse 1. And He entered again into the synagogue. What's amazing to me is that for all the flack that Jesus got at the synagogue, do you know what He kept doing? Returning. Going and going again. Now help me out a second, right? Aren't you glad that Jesus kept going and going and going again? you, Decker, aren't you glad that a godly minister like Jesus is persistent? What godly people were used in your life to reveal persistency that God kept coming to you coming to you? And He continues. If you're anything like me, you need Him to be persistent even after you get saved. See, a good minister, number one, is persistent. The Bible says Jesus entered again into the synagogue. And through the, the Gospels, you see Jesus going again and again and again to the people, the very people who would oppose Him. If you're anything like me, you kind of get, you know, dissed or whatever once, maybe twice, and you're like, "I'm done. I'm out of here." Right? Not Jesus. Not Jesus. And if you're a good minister, you're going to be persistent. Mark it down. If you want a minister like Jesus, you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to press. You're going to have to do these things because just like you, and just like me, it wasn't a one and done Johnson and Johnson evangelistic experience, was it? Praise the Lord! I'm going off the rails already. And point number one. Let's keep going. The Bible says, uh, And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. Verse 2, And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day. Craziness is going on here. They don't care about the, the man with the, the ailment, with the withered hand. They just care about catching Jesus, healing somebody on the Sabbath. Right? So you want to talk about a world that's upside down, (laughs) where things are crazy? It feels like it now, but it was crazy then too, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which hath the withered hand, stand forth. This is what Jesus does. Do you think he sees what they're doing? Do you think he perceives their attitudes do you think and what does he do he doesn't even acknowledge it he's going to do what he's going to do you see a good minister stands in the face of adversity and stays focused on his mission and what is Jesus's mission people He's not going to be dissuaded, diverted, distracted. He comes in and he's going to do what he's going to do. And they can watch him. And they can scheme. But he's going to do what he's going to do. The confidence that he has here. A good minister stands in the face of adversity and stays focused on the mission. And he said, verse 3 again, he saith to the man which hath the withered hand, Stand forth. In verse 4, let's look at verse 4 again, or, uh, or uh, next. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful, lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? See, he knew what was going on, right? He's addressing it right now. He knew exactly what was happening to save life or to kill, but they held their peace. Remember back in Titus? Titus says, why do we need men of character standing forth? So that their mouths must be stopped, right? To shut up the adversaries out there and the gainsayers and those who are causing trouble and and perverting God's word and taking whole houses into deception. What What does Jesus do here in this verse? I love this. Check this out. He just says, hey, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Jesus is speaking just from a standpoint of common sense and logic. Right? You don't find him going back, and Moses said, you don't say, and back, and... No, 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 he's just saying, hey, come on now. It's almost as if you were hearing, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Come on, let's just think through this a moment. Let's see how absurd this has gotten... Because what you're doing is you're obstructing someone from being healed. A good minister reasons with people. Time and time again, when you look at the Gospels, what is Jesus doing? He's asking questions, he's inquiring, he's calling people to think. Now, I could preach on this uh, for a while. Teach on this for a while. But it's basically this. I fear that Christianity, many Christian churches, are actually dumbing people down instead of encouraging them to think. And Mitch, I'm just thankful for you. Because as we go through this list, I want you to know that time and time again in my mind, I'm seeing Mitch's name come up. (laughs) Thank you for encouraging your people to think. It's so important to reason, to not be afraid of logic, to ask questions. To pause and give people time to consider. Just like Jesus does, time and time again, He's asking the people, His audience, questions. This is so important. That's number three, a good minister reasons with people. asks questions, inquires, calls people to think. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 is a good cross-reference there. Look at verse 5 with me a second. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored Whole as the other I love what Jesus does here. He does basically two things with this man with the withered hand. He says, "Stand up and stretch forth. right? This is what happens when you get saved. Declare yourself obedient to Jesus, and show your need for him. Isn't that what you did when you got saved? I love that. But notice what Jesus does here, and this is something that I'm still trying to get my my arms around. I, I have a lot of things to learn in this passage. There's a lot of stuff here that the Lord's teaching me, that I'm trying to develop. That I'm tra- the character and the action that I'm trying to implement for myself. And one of those things is this. Look at this. Hopefully I'm not stretching this too much. Jesus looked about on them with what? With what? Anger. Anger. Being grieved. Right? In ministry, when I get angry, or when I'm grieved, Oftentimes, it's because it's about me. Think about that for a second. Somebody's crossed me. Somebody's not listening to me. Somebody's doing, or they, you know, I told them. And you know what? Jesus doesn't do that. He takes his passions of anger and being grieved. Over this, and he leverages those things, he turns those things to the power of God. And we have got to do the same. Our passions can't distort what's going on or disrupt what God wants to do because we're miffed, we're irritated. We're overlooked, whatever it might be, doesn't matter. Whatever our passions are, we can't let those things get the best of us and distort what God's doing. Let us bring them to the Lord. We have these passions, we get angry, we experience joy, we are grieved, we do celebrate, but let's bring these things and give them to the Lord so that he can work in other people's lives. And that we don't distract from things. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's number, uh, number uh, four. A good minister leverages, directs personal passions to God's power. That's verse five. The other thing we see in verse five, and this is equally important, but look what look what the, the emphasis of the verse is. And when he had looked round on them with anger, being grieved for the, what? The hardness of their hearts. Do you know what Jesus, when he ministers, is looking at? He's not looking at the external to give or not give preferential treatment. We talked about that last week. What is Jesus focused on? Matters of the heart. Issues of the heart. A good minister is not only people focused, but heart focused. It's not about corralling the externals. It's about transforming the heart. Somebody named their fellowship after this, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This concept. That's verse 5. A good minister is not only people-focused, but heart-focused. And, and let me just add this. And is not dissuaded by hard hearts. <laughs> nice, Right? It, it isn't. It, it, it. We're like, well, look at that stiff necked, hard hearted. And then you realize you're looking in the mirror, right? <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> I love this too because it's counterintuitive. Let's keep reading here. But hey, let's not miss the fact that verse 5 and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. You know, you're, if you're a believer, you're going to run into this guy someday. Oh yeah, I read about you. <laughs> Verse 6, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Now this Herodians, they're kind of more of a political class. Of people, a group of leaders in this culture, in this society. And so you've got, and they don't necessarily get along right with the, the Pharisees, but if you're looking to scheme and to, to do, you don't really care if it's people you don't get along with. You'll just, hey, let's get Jesus, right? This is what they're basically doing. I know, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend right w- whatever but what i want to what i want to bring forth here and don't miss it is we're in chapter 3 and they want to kill Jesus. They want to destroy Jesus. Okay? So it, it's not as though that there was this like build up and by the time you get to the end of the gospels they want No, they're looking to destroy Jesus early on and up front. And if you go back and read Mark chapter two, you're going to understand why. Because they're looking at Jesus and saying, "Hey, you're equating yourself with God. You're forgiving sins. You're breaking fasting and the Sabbath and all these things." From our perspective, you're a heretic. We don't recognize you as the Son of God. And they want to destroy him up front. This is Mark is. Full of these little insights that I think are incredibly instructive to the life of Christ. I, Mark just oftentimes just gets overlooked in the Gospels, I, and I don't know why, because there's such jewels and, and beauty in some of this. But here's the thing I want to say, in, and it's, it's more in verse seven. But Jesus withdrew Himself with His disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed Him. And then it goes on, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, it's like near Ikea apparently, (laughs) and from beyond Jordan, and they about Tyre and and Sidon, a great multitude when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. So this is the mob, the masses beginning to swell around Jesus, You you can picture this in your mind, that the crowds, and they're coming from everywhere now. Word is getting out, and they're surrounding Jesus. And I, I, I just want to say that I've learned this, and I know it to be true, not both because the Bible says it, but but because I've, a good minister knows when to withdraw from a situation. A good minister minister knows when to step forward and stand. And knows when to step back and withdraw, retreat. Let the Spirit of God handle the situation. Let the circumstances play out. Does this make sense to anybody here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When enough has been said, Enough has been done, and it's now time to just let things sit. And maybe they stew to something that's beautiful and tastes great, or maybe it simmers till it boils over, but either way, it's probably best to step back and to withdraw from a situation for a period of time. A good minister knows when to withdraw from a situation. We see that in verse 7. And, and look at the next verse. Uh, we'll keep reading here. Um, starting in verse 9. That's where we'll pick up again. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. Do you get a sense of how crazy this is now around Jesus? That they're, they're concerned... Jesus, he Jesus speaks to his disciples, saying, "Hey, look, you guys got to get a little ship and wait for me because things are going out of control." And you know, maybe I'm I'm reading into this a little bit. I I don't think that I am. But a good minister directs his followers, his leaders his fellow laborers and acknowledges the very real importance of logistics. And this is my greatest downfall personally and this is Mitch's strength is it not? And isn't it great that you have a whole group of elders and pastors and ministers? Amen. And that there's diversity in the leadership of your church. And that where one person might not have some strengths, there's someone else like uh, Larry and Anita that can come across and say, you know what, we see what needs to be done logistically here. And God bless the people who have multiple talents and multiple strengths. We need that in our leaders. Good. To stop back all the stuff that's going on. All the great things that are going on. That somebody has to sign the documents and make sure that everything's in place and have talked to the lawyers so you can get another building to do ministry. Because if those things were left up to me, I, we'd still be meeting outside somewhere. <laughs> A good minister directs followers, leaders, fellow laborers, and acknowledges the importance of logistics. And here is Jesus, the creator of the universe, and he's, he's doing administration and management here with his folks. Right? If we're not good at this, this is where the conviction comes to me is, you know what, it's a thing. It's important. You gotta be responsible. (laughs) I love you, Kathy. (laughs) You know this about me, just like (laughs) Whitney does. We've ministered together. She knows me. Let's keep looking at verse uh, verse ten, for he had healed many, insomuch that they pr- pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the son of God so much richness in these verses each one of them is is packed but it look what he goes on to say in verse 12 and he straightly charged them that they should not make him known <laughs> is that counterintuitive to anybody here it's like anti-evangelism yeah <laughs> does that seem like anti-evangelism to you I mean what, what, what is going on here? Yeah, I'm the Son of God, but don't tell anybody. And we see Jesus doing this in in other places in Scripture and in, in the Gospels, right? This isn't the first time or the only time. But it's like the mass of people can't get any more. It's becoming counter helpful. It it's it's causing, and, and this is a really important thing to learn about ministry, right? It's not all about immediate and spectacular growth. And this is what I love about the leaders here at MBT. They know this. Because things can get so big that they tip over and they break if the fortification is not supported underneath the advancement this is military tactics for some of us, for some of you, right? That if you push too far forward, the supply lines aren't there. The ministry structure, the backfill of disciplers and teachers good. Are, are, are not there. See, a good minister recognizes it's not about publicity. It's not about marketing. It's not about numbers. It's not about recognition. And in a day where we are marketed to at every point, in every turn, in every situation, this is important for us to learn. Verse 13. And he goeth up, this is Jesus, he goeth up into a mountain, he's he's withdrawing again, and calleth unto him whom he would. Again, here he is dealing with some logistics. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. So good here. Everybody sees this one. This is known here at MBT. In verse 14, what do we see? We see that a good minister reproduces biblical ministry in the lives of others. Do you see that? Do you see what Jesus is doing here? It says He ordains the twelve. Now this is beautiful. This is beautiful because let, let's, let's read this again so we don't miss it. And he ordained the twelve to do what? That they should be with him. <laughs> See, a good minister understands what ministry is all about. What is ministry all about? Some of us who are at church camp saw this. Ministry is about union with God through Christ a good minister understands that real true biblical ministry is about union with God through Christ do you see that in 14 that they should be with him look at the second thing and that he might send them A good minister knows it's not all about keeping things here. It's about sending and going. And go ye therefore and teach all nations. Do you see that? To do what? Forth to preach. A good minister understands that What ministry is all about. It's about union with God through Christ. It's about going. It's about proclaiming the truth of God's Word. It's about preaching, right? And look at verse 14 or 15. And to have power to heal the sicknesses and to cast out devils. It's also about addressing the very real needs of people, both physically and spiritually. Anybody tracking with me? About meeting the very real needs of people physically and spiritually. And by the way, that's becoming more and more ambiguous. You walk the streets of Denver or you walk the streets of Kansas City, and there are some really messed up people with very real needs. Physical and spiritual. And that spiritual component is becoming more and more evident that people are being tormented by evil spirits. And whether those spirits come through mental health issues or drug addiction or whatever, It's just becoming more and more prevalent. Does anybody see this besides me? Mm -hmm. Or is it just in Denver? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, a good minister understands what ministry is all about. Union with God through Christ. Going, proclaiming the truth of God's Word. Addressing the real needs of people, physical and spiritual. And look at this last part, 16-18. through Look at this. What what about this? 16 through 18. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them. Yeah, whatever that word is. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I prefer the the sons of thunder means the same thing apparently and andrew and philip and Bartholomew and matthew and thomas and james the son of Alphaeus and thaddeus and some of you are now singing with me inside the song that we learned when we were children and simon the canaanite and judas iscariot which also betrayed him and they went into the house they went into a, a, a house and, and I want you to see something here because what I see just with all these names, it's like, what, what's, what's with the, the names? Well, a good minister recognizes that it's about individual transformation. Do you see this? He's naming individuals. This isn't an emphasis of programs right? These are name changes that people, very real historical people are being called different things by Jesus He's paying attention to them in a society where we're grouped and categorized and and, and put in people's constructs we need to be about individuals and about individual transformation and about people's names who they are what god is doing in their life how they're being transformed this is really important i could talk about that for a while Number 11, a good minister recognizes some individuals in ministry are there as opposition. Did you see that? Did you see that in verse 19? Look at verse 19. And Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house, right? He even names Judas Iscariot. Look, let me me just say something from the outset here. That... Uh, A good minister recognizes some individuals in ministry are there as opposition. It's par for the course. It's inescapable. It can't be alleviated. It's even necessary, Paul talks about. Right? You need some things that are messed up so that you can more clarify the truth against the falseness. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. So let's not become hyperactive about ferreting those out, although they do need to be ferreted out in in ministry, right? But let's just trust the Lord (laughs) that even when we can't ferret out things, He can. He knows. Let's walk with Him. And Paul had to deal with it jesus had to deal with it we're going to have to deal with people who are obstructing what god wants to do in ministry make sense yeah all right i'm going to give you the rest of them because it's 1205 and i'm just going to give them to you okay and you'll have to study them out for yourself or invite me back Number 12 is a good minister is well aware that one's own physical needs need to be sacrificed for the ministry and for others. That's verse 20. This is a good one. This is heavy lifting this morning. A good minister accepts that he will not always be understood, that he will be mischaracterized, maligned, Lied about and disparaged. That's just part of the deal as a minister. That's what happened to Jesus. And we see that in verse 22. And clearly a good minister, number 14, is willing to embrace confrontation. We see that in verse 23. And in verses 28 through 30, we see a good minister confronts and deals with sin. Why is that important? That seems pretty obvious, right? Well, it's because there are people out there and ministries out there today who are like, let's just give them a better narrative. Let's just give people something more positive and affirming to walk towards. You know what the Bible actually says? Let's deal with our sin. That's a thing. I mean, I suppose it's okay to give somebody a better narrative and a a, a better story to follow after or or some positive affirmation. That's fine. But we also got to deal with people's sin, including our own. Amen? Amen. We can't just skip over that Jesus didn't. And as ministers, we can't fall into that kind of mumbo-jumbo that's out there. And then the last thing is, And this is where we could end. Number 16, a a good minister sees and understands the profundity of the body of Christ. And that's 34 and 35. Look at 34 with me and we'll close out. And he looked around about them, which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. (laughs) Somebody had gone to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, your family's out front. They're looking for you. And Jesus responds with, hey, these are my mother and my brother, right? It's a profound thing to truly grasp that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. When you realize that, you don't have to think about, am I being giving preferential treatment to... So, no, no, this is your brother and sister, right? It's really important, and I love the spirit of this church because oftentimes I come here and you treat us like brothers and sisters in Christ. Glory to God.